Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Ed DeWald has supported independent tech news directly for five years. Be like Ed and become a DTNS member at patreon.com slash DTNS. This is the Daily Tech News for Thursday, April 11th, 2019 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. And from Studio Feline, I'm Sarah Lane. From the shores of Lake Merritt, I'm Justin Robert Young. And I'm the show's producer, Roger Jane. One of these days I'll come from the shores of Lake Young. Just to... You should find a Lake Young. Yeah. Listen, oh, there's got to be a few. I'm sure that there's right? a Lake Young somewhere. Or Lake Lane, Lake Chang. I'll find one of them anyway. There's, yeah. If there isn't a Lake Lane... Get on it, people. <laughs> we are going to talk about the fact that Bloomberg has a report out uh, describing how Amazon team members, as well as Apple and Google, listen to some recordings made by voice assistants and whether or not that bothers us. But let's start with a few tech things you should know. At the Google Cloud Next Conference, the company announced that Google Plus for Enterprise, which is not being shut down like the consumer network, will be rebranded as Google Currents. If the name sounds familiar, it was also the name of a previous Google Magazine app. Pre-order reservations for the Samsung Galaxy Fold open Friday, April 12th. No money is required to reserve the right to pre-order. The $1,980 device will be released April 26th. In a statement, the Netherlands Authority for Consumers and Markets said it will investigate Apple for abusing a dominant market position, quote, by giving preferential treatment to its own apps. The investigation will center on Apple and its app store, which has received the most complaints. But the regulator said it's also going to ask app makers to flag any problems on that Google Play store as well. And they might look into that if they get enough complaints. Let's talk a little bit about the arrest of Julian Assange. The U.S. Department of Justice has charged Julian Assange with conspiracy to commit computer intrusion of a classified computer system. The indictment accuses Assange of helping Chelsea Manning in, quote, cracking a password stored on the United States Department of Defense computers connected to the secret Internet protocol network, unquote, a United States government network used for classified documents and communications. 
The Washington Post printed excerpts of the chat between Assange and Manning, where Assange has uh, says he gives hashes of passwords to our guys to crack. Ecuador uh, removed its asylum protection of Assange Thursday, accusing him of intervening in the internal affairs of other states. He has been arrested on a charge of breaching bail in the UK, and the extradition request has been filed by the United States. So it seems that he's coming to America. Yeah, maybe. I mean, he's been arrested twice. Uh, the The original reason he went into asylum in Ecuador was to avoid being arrested uh, for charges relating to a case in, I believe, Sweden. That yeah. case has expired, but the avoidance of the arrest and and jumping bail has not. So he'll he'll definitely face that. But it sounds like he'll be extradited to the U.S. Everyone was expecting that, but they were expecting him to be charged with publication and everybody was gearing up for a free press fight in the court turns out at least in the court we're not going to get a free press fight that the department of justice is going after him for assisting manning by saying hey we'll help you crack that password and they're going to say well you provided aid and assistance to somebody uh who was violating computer fraud and abuse acts now, Assange's lawyers and supporters will certainly make this into a a, a free press fight. That is their their uh, uh, st- their statement reflects in the court of public opinion. opinion. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Uh, well, and they and they are going to try to make the case that look, these things are connected. That that you can parse between like how you get the information and if you publish the information, but ultimately this was a a public good uh, that you cannot prove that this information was incorrect. And so, therefore, it should be protected under the First Amendment. Whether or not that will fall on sympathetic ears remains to be seen. I, I will add that uh, the case that Sweden has, actually, the uh, statute of limitations ends this August. So there is a potential that they could rebring that case back up. They, the officials in Sweden dropped the case because there was a very low probability of getting him into custody. But now that this has occurred, that might change. Everything I've read says that it's probably not going to change, but that's, yeah. a, that's a fair point to, to note there. Uh, really what we're talking about it on daily tech news show for though, is because he's going to face a, uh, a computer intrusion uh, charge uh, that can carry a very weighty punishment. We talk a lot about how it can carry punishments for fairly innocuous things. Uh, this is a case where, what he did could be considered somewhat innocuous, which is like, hey, Manning, I'll help you meet some guys who can help you crack this hash password. Uh, but because he was involved in that, even though he didn't actually do any of the hacking himself, the the act in the United States allows them to prosecute Julian Assange on on those charges. Security researchers Maddie Van Hoof and Eyal Ronan disclosed five vulnerabilities being called dragon blood that affect WPA3 Wi-Fi security and authentication. They include a denial of service attack, two downgrade attacks, and two side channel information leaks. The last four of those can be used to exfiltrate user passwords by exploiting flaws in the Dragonfly key exchange. The downgrade attacks cause the network to use an older and secure password exchange system. And the side channel leaks force networks to use leaky algorithms that allow a password to be discovered after repeated attacks. The Wi-Fi Alliance announced a security update for the WPA3 standard to mitigate the attacks, and vendors must now integrate the changes into their firmware. 
Yeah, I mean, the upshot for most people is, and as always, as I said on our Facebook group today, always keep your routers up to date, uh, whether you hear about this kind of story or not. Uh, but yes, uh, make sure when your firmware update comes next that you do as you always do. I know you always do it. Uh, yep. Get that firmware up to date. Uh, these are these are offline dictionary attacks that are made possible by these vulnerabilities. And it's good news that security researchers found them and are allowing them to get patched now. Yeah, that, that, that's really the man. I wonder if we could have a, a some kind of like rubric or database for like time between first, you know, uh, first understanding and disclosure. Like that, there should be some sort of like, hey, we we've caught this in the wild. It doesn't seem to be being circulated on, uh, you know, certain forums where where near dwells could get to them. Yeah, it's not in the wild if you haven't caught it being circulated uh, that, yeah. uh just just to use the industry standard terms but i know what you mean like we found this uh and we made sure that it's not there and there there actually are uh disclosure rules about that and how long it's okay to keep it secret and all that sort of stuff so yeah uh acer announced its concept d line of laptops marketed at people who do video editing and illustration the concept d9 is a transforming laptop with a 17.3 inch 4k display built-in wacom's pen support has a ninth gen core i9 processor up to 32 gigabytes of ram an rtx 2080 nvidia gpu up to a terabyte of nvme ssd storage that's the flagship. Uh, the Concept D7 laptop has a 15.6 inch 4K display with 9th Gen Core 7 and RTX 2080 Max Q. Uh, everything else is pretty much the same. And then the Concept D5 drops down to the 8th Gen Core i7 or i5, uh, the Radeon RX Vega M graphics card, and a max of 16 gigabytes of RAM. They're all targeted towards creators, though, with some pretty beefy specs. No prices or release dates yet. There were also two Concept D desktops, the 500 with a 9th gen Corn i9 NVIDIA Quadro RTX 400 GPU and up to 64 gigabytes of DDR5 RAM coming in June for about $1,600 to start. But the piece de resistance is the Concept D900 with dual Xeon Gold processors with 40 cores, NVIDIA's Quadro RTX 6000 GPU and up to 192 gigabytes of RAM, <laughs> all for only $20,000. Oh! Oh, well, my birthday is coming up. <laughs> you know what to get, Sarah. <laughs> uh, so, so Tom, who, who would be the target demo for for these? Uh, people who are frustrated with that keyboard on the MacBook Pro uh, and other things about the MacBook Pro. I mean, or or people who are maybe into the Surface right now uh, and its its creative abilities. Video editors, you know, folks doing uh, illustration, etc. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm somewhat in the market for a machine that can 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 crunch video data faster than what my MacBook Pro, which is a decent machine, is able to do. Um, I'm getting a lot of system overload stuff. Um, moving into you know the Windows world, that could be a deterrent for Mac folks certainly. But um, as somebody who goes back and forth between both of the OSs. I like the idea of a 17.3 inch 4K display mm -hmm. and the pen support as well is something that I think once you get used to it, and I know Scott Johnson would back me up on this, you, you, you can't really live without it. Uh, so that's, that's, that, that is going to be really attractive to video editors, either who are working this way already or who are looking to work this way potentially for, you know, something that's competitive. We don't know the prices yet, but, um, Assuming that there are competitive prices, these are really nice specs. 
NVIDIA has released a driver that lets you turn on ray tracing effects in the GeForce GTX 10 and 16 series cards, like the GTX 1080 and GTX 1660. For those not keeping close track, ray tracing is one of the big advantages of getting an RTX card through only Shadow of the Tomb Raider, Battlefield 5, and Metro Exodus yet support it. NVIDIA's own benchmarks show none of the GTX card get beyond 25 uh, frames per second on Tomb Raider, except the 1080 Ti, which hits 34 frames per second. The RTX cards range from 44 to 84 frames per second. So this is really NVIDIA trying to get people to buy RTX cards by saying, uh, hey, we'll let you try ray tracing on our GTX cards and you'll see just how badly you need those RTX cards. If you want to eat garbage, you can. Congratulations. (laughs) The question is whether anyone wants to eat garbage, (laughs) right? Like there's only three games with ray tracing. If there was a big demand for these ray tracing games, then this gambit might work better. I'm not sure that people are that hungry for it yet, though. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think it's just another option. Uh, some people want to use it. They want to experience it, even if it's in a lower uh, FPS mode. Uh, you know, and maybe it's a maybe it is just even a little try before you buy. You just want to see what it might look like in a lesser thing, and then say, "Ooh!" But imagine how buttery smooth it might. Imagine look. if I wasn't watching a slideshow of this video game, but yeah. actual flowing video. Yeah, you know? all I need is that RTX card. Uh, yeah, and also, uh, if you've got a 1080 Ti, uh, th- there's some good news about um, how good its frame rate was with the with the, uh, with the the new uh, ray tracing driver. Pretty nice. Ford CEO Jim Hackett told the Detroit Economic Club on Tuesday, we overestimated the arrival of autonomous vehicles. Now, Ford still plans to launch an autonomous car fleet in 2021, but it will be geofenced because, in Hackett's words, the problem is so complex. Hackett still believes that fully autonomous vehicles will come, saying, quote, logistics and ride structures and cities all get redesigned. I won't be in charge of Ford when this is going on, but I see it clearly. Ford is also testing its autonomous vehicles in Miami, Washington, D.C., and Detroit currently. Yeah, if you're not if you didn't realize it, Ford is is actually out there along with Waymo and Uber and Euro and and all these other companies that are that are getting their business plans together uh, for offering autonomous cars, usually as fleets, and that's what the 2021 date is about. Mm-hmm. Uh, for years, people have been writing into this show saying, I don't know. I think autonomous cars are a lot farther out than these companies are saying because of X, Y, and Z. And up until now, we really haven't had any executive of a company say they weren't. Then we get this, the Ford CEO saying, yeah, maybe not. Maybe 2021 for some kind of geofenced self-driving cars, but not maybe what we were expecting. We have Uber out there delaying their plans which you, of course, can attribute to the fact that they had a fatality, which set them back. That could be part of that. And then you have Waymo out there offering commercial service to a beta test group, and everyone's waiting for them to expand that, and we're not hearing from them. So I don't know. What do you, where do you guys think this puts this? Well, before the show, you know, my knee-jerk reaction was like, well, it's Ford. It's a big company. You know, they've been, they've been in the game for a long time and doing it the old way of cars. And you said, well, no. I mean, Ford is definitely at the forefront of technology when it comes to uh, autonomous vehicles and, 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 and what the competitors are doing. It's, it's definitely on an even playing field. So it's not because Ford is behind the times or, or can't keep up. But I and, – and 
myself and I know certain guests on the show, this show over the last couple of years, every once in a while, you know, you hear someone being like, in six months, you know, all Ubers are just going to be autonomous. And you think that I, that doesn't seem possible. And regulatory reasons are are the things that always that that, that trip me up, because it's not so much that the technology doesn't work, but there are so many reasons that only certain cities are test beds for this sort of thing. And, you know, what's a real rollout going to look like? And yeah, it's not right around the corner after all. It's not. And this is Ford basically taking this from the think about this now to literally the CEO saying, don't think that this is going to be a large scale reality until I'm no longer the CEO. So <laughs> do not expect yeah. any announcement <laughs> from me about how I'm launching this gigantic new initiative. That didn't you know, you guys are like, going to figure it out. I won't, I won't be, here. be here. But I see it clearly, folks. Yeah, right you're going to get it. You're going to get I'm it. Nail it, guys. I'm so, so <laughs> proud of all of you from here in the past. <laughs> yeah. uh, to me, this is just forward saying, look, we thought we would be able to have a product that could swim amongst the chaos that is our streets now. At this point, we obviously want to continue to be in the game. We want to have the solution for when the moment meets it. But we are looking at the large scale impact of this economically for Ford to be once the the cities are are designing autonomous only lanes and and stuff like that. Uh, And that city planning is wrapped around this idea and not just, hey, I hopped in my car in the driveway i hit the button and now i go to sleep because i'm on my way to work yeah and you know another aspect of this is ford has been doing a lot of cutbacks in cost uh and it may be that part of the reason that they're cutting back on their estimates is they know how much money it would take to stay on track maybe it's not just a matter of technology but the amount of money they would have to throw at the r&d and they're just like you know what it's just not worth it because there's still a chance that it won't hit on time. So let's just scale back our expectations. And, and, and one more thing to your point with Uber, like Uber and Lyft ride sharing in general, and theoretically what that market would look like in an autonomous car world, you need the buyers to buy the fleets, right? Like you need, you need those companies that are buying. If Uber is taking a step back in their own technology, then the question of uh, uh, where those buyers are, where, where those buyers are going to be is a big, big, big blank space. Hey, folks, if you want to get all the tech headlines each day in about five minutes, don't forget you can subscribe to DailyTechHeadlines.com. So Bloomberg spoke to seven Amazon staff members who review recordings from Amazon voice services in order to improve responses. Now, there are things to get upset about in this story, but I want to start by setting the table at that's not a bad thing. Having Amazon employees, actual humans, reviewing recordings in order to help train machine learning is a perfectly reasonable thing to do to improve machine learning. It's all about how you implement that plan, which is what we're going to get into. Uh, But actually, I'm going to talk to Karen Howe from MIT Technology Review this weekend. You'll get this in the feed about what machine learning is. And I think after you hear that, if you get a better explanation of how machine learning actually works beyond the hype, you'll understand that, oh, okay, so they're improving the training data set. That's a good thing. However, uh, we, it's all the, the, the devil's always in the details of how you go about implementing that human review. According to Bloomberg, Amazon's not alone. Apple and Google also have staff reviewing recordings to help improve systems for Amazon. 
Reviewers will transcribe and annotate voice clips and then add them to data for the machine learning algorithm to use to improve. So an example given in the Bloomberg article is a worker in Boston who said they would just look through, they would scan through for people saying Taylor Swift and then mark that to make sure that the algorithm knew when they say Taylor Swift, they're not saying two separate words. They're talking about the musical artist, and that would improve recognition. And don't get the impression that all they did was help Taylor Swift. This is just one example among thousands and millions. Amazon said in a statement to Bloomberg, it does this to, quote, an extremely small sample of Alexa voice recordings and claimed, quote, employees do not have direct access to information that can identify the person or account as part of this workflow. All information is treated with high confidentiality and we use multi-factor authentication to restrict access, service encryption and audits of control environment to protect it. Those are the right words to say. Multi-factor, encryption, limited information, great. However, a screenshot that Bloomberg got showed that when a reviewer is looking at the recordings, they see an account number, a customer first name, and a device serial number. That's a lot of information to have on somebody. According to a white paper from Apple, Apple voice recordings are linked to a random ID number, which is reset every time Siri turns off. So you can't even link a number with a person. And those ID numbers are stripped from any voice recording kept for more than six months. And human reviewers don't even receive that random ID. Google says its clips are not associated with personally identifiable information and voices are distorted to disguise the customer's voice. Okay, that's kind of interesting. So let's talk for a second real quick about what smart speakers do. They have a mic and a small buffer that checks for a wake word. This is where a lot of confusion comes in. This buffer is continually emptied. No security researcher has found that any speaker continuously sends that voice data to a server. A lot of people think, well, it's always listening. It could be sending. It apparently doesn't. We may catch it doing that someday, but we haven't. However, the problem comes when the wake word is detected. The recording is sent to the server for processing and response. That's how it knows how to tell you what time it is or play your music track or whatever. Those are the recordings that are being reviewed. Now, often uh, it can accidentally be uh, triggered and record something. Uh, So that would go in there too. And that's part of this review is to decide when that has happened and tell the algorithm, hey, that that was a mistake. You shouldn't have been active to help reduce those numbers of false activations. So what do you do about the information that they have collected on you? Well, Amazon says you can stop letting recordings be used to help develop new features, although apparently sometimes your voice recordings still might be used in these reviews, and you can listen to and delete recordings in your app. Apple says it can't let you see or delete your recordings because it doesn't know which are yours since they're not associated with any personally identifiable information, which is an interesting answer. And Google lets you listen to and delete recordings on your My Activity page, and you can switch off the web and app history tracking and voice and audio activity for Google Assistant, although that will make Google Assistant nag you a lot to turn it back on. All right, so now that we understand what they're doing, why they're doing it, and what control, if any, you have over it, how do you guys feel about this? They're listening to me! Sorry, just kidding. (laughs) You gotta get that out. No, uh, uh, this is one of those stories where, to me, the devil is in the disclosure and security. It's not necessarily a bad practice by Amazon to continue to get this service better. Uh, That is what the humans are doing in this process, are listening to clips of what people are saying and matching them to get better uh, uh, in terms of the the voice recognition and using machine learning to do that. The problem more so is exactly how much data is listed alongside your voice and 
whether or not we believe as the consumers that Amazon has been transparent in saying, hey, a Amazon employee is going to see your name and your voice and the serial number of your device. Yeah, when I when I when I see something like Amazon saying, and this was what it said to Bloomberg, this is just an extremely small sample of Alexa voice recordings. My initial question is, how many is extremely small sample? What do you consider I, you know, small, Amazon. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's 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 that's that's vague, but okay. Let's say it's an extremely small sample, and I'm 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 definitely of the probably should be more paranoid group. Uh, I have smart speakers in my house, several of them. Uh, I talk to them frequently, yell at them occasionally, not too concerned about it, you know, it knowing that I asked what the weather is four times a day. But, but you know, if you think about, okay, the ultimate like paranoia situation, there have definitely been, you know, I don't know, let's say a friend in my house who's having a very confidential conversation on the phone and they're in my living room and the words Taylor Swift could be part of that. I don't know why, but let's just say they are. And all of a sudden, some of that data gets extracted because it's supposed to, you know, make the AI system better. But there is potentially a human that might get wind of this conversation and be interested by it. So I think that, you know, it always kind of goes back to me of like, well, if nobody on Amazon side is ever being nefarious about anything, then I'm not really concerned, but I can't be assured of that. Yeah, and it it does end up being a matter of what are the percentage chances? Are the percentage chances of someone in Amazon getting that conversation, which happened to trip the wake word and then have Taylor Swift in the conversation and the person decides to listen to the whole conversation, not just annotate the part about Taylor Swift and passes it along to somebody? Is that potential more than someone walking by your window and hearing you through your window. Uh, right. And is that worse? I mean, they, I'm not saying it is or it isn't, but that's the thing you've got to think about. And to Justin's point earlier, it is all about transparency and control. Amazon saying you can turn off the ability to have your recordings help improve the service, but then saying, but sometimes they might still help improve the service. I'm not okay with. It's either on or off. You, yeah. you say your recordings can, can be sent to this or not. And don't say, oh, they might end up there anyway. No, that is, that is not okay. I, I actually like Apple's solution better. Yeah. Where it's, like, it's, hey, we don't even know which are yours. We can't even tell you. We can't provide you with a, a library of what you've said because we don't know. Uh, that, to me, makes me feel more comfortable because this is necessary work. Like, this is not uh, – I don't think that what Amazon is doing here is frivolous, that they are a market leader in this field, and they are continuing to maintain their position because this product, the Echo, was a, a uh, out-of-the-box success because you could just say things. That does not happen by accident. Uh, it is. It has very, very good recognition for that reason, and this is part of it. But, uh, again, it just comes down to be clear – Amazon and keep my name off that. That's bad. I don't like the name thing. That actually makes me. Oh, yeah. I didn't like that either. Yeah. Smart speaker conversations and others can all be contributed to on our subreddit. You can submit stories and vote on others at dailytechnewsshow.reddit.com. If you like to hang out on Facebook, we've got a group, facebook.com slash group slash dailytechnewsshow. All right. In an interview with our very own Justin Robert Young earlier this week on the Politics, Politics, Politics podcast, Eric Geller, who covers cybersecurity over at Politico, discussed actual risks of elections getting hacked. And here's what he thinks might become one of the more frequent attacks on voting. 
One thing that we haven't heard too much about yet, but I suspect we're going to see a lot of this, is attempts to trick um, election administrators into just handing over their passwords the way that John Podesta was tricked in 2016. Um, we do know that in 2016, they hacked into a Florida-based uh, voting technology vendor called VR Systems, and they used the access to that company to send emails to a bunch of uh, local election officials in Florida. And you know, if, if you're an, elect- an election official there, you see this email from VR Systems. This is a trusted company. You're much more likely to click on it. I think we're going to be seeing a lot more of that. Um, I think people tend to think of hacking as, you know, the the war games kind of image of the guy <laughs> sitting at the computer, you know, and, and, and all this random gibberish code passes across the screen. You know, that's really not the most effective way to do it anymore. The best way is to trick people into handing that stuff over, and then they don't even necessarily know that they've been compromised. Um, so once you do that, you get the info, you log in, and you can just start deleting voter information willy-nilly. Uh, and it's important to understand that if you do that and election day comes and people can't vote, uh, they do have the right to vote on a provisional ballot. Their their vote probably will be counted. But what you've done is you've undermined confidence in the system. And if I'm sitting at home at you know noon and I was planning to vote at five and I see that this is happening, maybe I'll just stay home. Maybe I won't vote. Who knows? I don't want to get mixed up in all that stuff. So you can see how that quickly becomes really problematic. Uh, let me tell you, folks, there's more where that came from, too. The The entire 40-minute uh, interview is, is packed with really good information about what the actual risks are, what people can actually do. Uh, Eric Geller covers this beat uh, specifically. And Justin, you had a great interview with him. Well, thank you so much, Tom. Uh, this is uh, obviously very uh, – you know, rarely we get to talk about the kind of uh, political side of things uh, of tech, and this was a great uh, – I think this would be a great entry for DTNS listeners – to the politics, politics, politics uh, uh, ecosystem. So everybody go ahead and check it out. Takepoliticsseriously.com is where Mm -hmm. you can find it. All right, let's check out the mailbag. Let's do it. Mike Kepper had a little bit of response of our Amazon Go conversation from yesterday. Mike says, just install an ATM machine that could dispense Amazon gift cards for cash, then scan the card on entry, scan again on exit to receive change or insert more cash. I don't see any problem, but there are always people that'll try to game or scam a system. A security guard or cashier will still be necessary in any case. That's a great idea. I, I don't know if it's compliant with the laws or not, but uh, if it was, I think that's a good solution. Yeah. Also, uh, Preston Monroe, BioCal, uh, wrote in and mentioned that there are gates at these. So you could potentially stop someone or have an alarm go off if they left uh, without paying or didn't have sufficient cash uh, in some of the other solutions we were talking about. And then Warren on the future of iTunes branding said, I like to make the comparison of a club and a bar. You go to a bar to have a drink and you might dance. You go to a club to dance and you probably have a drink iTunes started as a music file manager that could sync your player. However, it quickly became a tool for device syncing that had features such as management of all types of media files. It changed its fundamental function. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. 
The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. And became something different. Yeah, club and a bar. Uh, <laughs> Not a bad analogy, really. Good stuff. Yeah. Uh, and 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 I and I will just say to that analogy, I very rarely go to clubs, and I very rarely like iTunes these days. Uh, it, <laughs> so there it, you go. Yeah, uh, look, it, I, I am all aboard the kill iTunes train. I I, I do not uh, understand why it has continued to live this bizarre life. It lived a beautiful existence. I remember syncing with my FireWire uh, cord, my my iPod. Uh, it was my one of my favorite programs. Now, when it opens, when it dares shoot its ugly head into my life, I close it as fast as possible. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of iTunes. Uh, the program itself still works for me. I know how to use it and everything, but the naming convention has bothered me, which I went into on yesterday's show, so I won't do it again. But uh, but yeah, thanks, Warren. I I. I'm 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 glad you put it into perspective for us. And also thanks to Justin Robert Young for being with us today. I know you're into politics. Where can people keep up with all of your work? Uh, well, hey, go ahead and check out the Politics, Politics, Politics podcast. Uh, uh, but in general, I would uh, I would also like to say in that interview, uh, there is a, a furthering of the conversation that we've had on this show about uh, Huawei and uh, the 5G rollout. We get. Uh, some comment of uh, Eric Geller has asked the same a lot of the same questions that we ask on this show to uh, government officials. And we get uh, some of the perspective of the uh, American government on the 5G rollout and Huawei specifically. Excellent. Also, folks, don't forget that as a member of DTNS, you get a few extra things. For instance, uh, that interview with Karen Howe that I mentioned, you're going to get that tomorrow evening. If you're a Patreon subscriber, you get a little early crack at it. Uh, You'll also get an editor's desk from me uh, this week uh, where you get some inside info or explainers or or extra stuff. It's all available. Find out everything you can get at patreon.com slash DTNS. If you've got feedback, our email address is feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. We're also live Monday through Friday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 2030 UTC. Find out more and tell a friend, dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. Diamond Club, hold on. 
hope you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> <laughs> 